Hello. So today I have the honor of having Miss Radhika Gupta on the show. She is a fantastic personality, the CEO of Edelweiss AMC. Welcome to the show, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Anurag. Yeah, ma'am. Uh, so if you could give us a context of why you are known as a girl with a broken neck, uh, and then probably we'll head into the other facets of your journey. Yeah, so I I didn't plan on the title. Uh, it's uh, you know it's uh, been gifted to me for the last two years. Uh, I actually did a talk which I think quite a few people have now seen about two years ago, um, and uh, it's on YouTube. But it essentially described my life journey. And when I titled the talk, I titled the talk based on my neck, and you can see that I have a slight tilt in my neck. It's quite evident in photographs. Sometimes it's evident uh, even now. um and i talked in that video about the fact that all of us have some kind of challenges or imperfections that we have grown up with and that we perhaps find difficult in our childhood or some phase but as we grow up we realize that these are all things that make us unique and complete people and we should just learn to embrace them um so that talk i think went out about a year and a half ago and the amazing thing is that when it went out so many people have written to me about their own broken neck in life so someone wrote to me actually i think from pakistan about how he has a broken cheek and he sent me pictures of his cheek and someone wrote to me from bombay a girl how she has a bald patch on her head and everyone has i think some version of a broken neck in their life that they're trying to grapple with that they've been made fun of um and a lot of those stories came out in the video so i think that's why i've been given the title but uh, you know i'm i'm very grateful for all the love and affection that that video received perfect so ma'am now that uh, the girl with a broken neck uh, which was quite a probably an impediment to her self confidence in the childhood era now she's worked at mckinsey a big time uh, player on the wall street set up india's first domestic hedge fund became india's only female head of a 4 billion dollar amc that is edelweiss launched india's first etf bharat bond do you still get the feeling why me which you would have probably got in your early childhood you know this this is an interesting question i've never been asked before and i think somewhere the answer is yes and no and i will not try to be modest about it so i have never planned my career uh, in life uh, i have tried to take whatever opportunity life has thrown my way and make the best of that opportunity without planning ke iska kya hoga aur uska kya hoga aur you know how will the pieces fit together because i mean essentially my career has been a jigsaw puzzle that has come together um so in some sense you can say you know how did this all happen um in another sense i also think think two things one i think that i'm very very early in my journey so you know there's just so much left to do um so why me is too early to say uh, for someone especially at my age and the other thing is i have always been very aspirational i think even when i was 4 or 5 in fact i look at my childhood pictures and i think there was more confidence then than there is sometimes now in my photographs but i've always been very aspirational i've always thought very big for myself so even when i was 17 i i, I don't come from a family that has worked in corporate india in fact nobody in my family studied abroad but i was the first one to kind of go 
study abroad uh, and on a scholarship when you know dad couldn't afford it obviously it's working with the government so you can't afford foreign school fees so one has always been very aspirational one has always wanted to do something beyond um and sometimes it works sometimes you get it but uh, you know it has happened because you dared to dream big you know i think things have also fallen into place so the why me question is interesting because it's yes and no you know you worked really hard for it you aspired for it and yet it's all fallen into place so ma'am like from what and you graduated uma cum laude i am not sure whether i pronounce it correctly it's an honor awarded to a student whose cgpa is almost near perfect 3.8 and 4 in between of that and it's like a dual degree probably some tech some management so it's like uh, pennsylvania offers a part of the degree and wharton offers a part of the degree so a lot of uh, stories are being told and are always like this becomes the passport to success these storied institutes howard wharton stanford pennsylvania what difference does it really make in real uh, terms so a lot of it is again said ki networking happens you make friends for life i have a very different view on that i am not very sure how many real friends does one make on b school campus presentation skills so is there a lot of general hype about uh, these storied institutes what is your take on that i i really like this question and i think uh, there are two parts to it one part is of course i have tremendous value for the education i received i am very grateful for it and uh, i think it's really played a very important role in shaping who i am um i think you know you get it's not the classes are great i mean let me not go there i think what it gives you is it gives you exposure uh, to world class thinking it gives you exposure to a world class set of students now whether you choose to stay in touch with them or whether they become friends is a different thing but i think it gives you exposure to a world class thinking and it gives you access to an alumni network which you know i have really benefited from that stays with you for life you can always carry the fact that you know even today if i call someone who's a grad and you know there is something that you share that is intangible it's a connect like my dad is in ifs and i think ies ies there's a connect that they share with each other that you know i can't describe so i think it is that but i think it exposes your thinking to the best in the world um, and i think those four years of campus are a incredible experience so you know i am i'm very grateful for that that said i also don't think that just because you don't have that experience doesn't mean that you are incomplete or you can't go anywhere i have seen a lot of people who i would say are also prisoner of pedigree where your whole life is spent collecting harvard wharton label 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 and yet you don't do anything with it and i have seen people with very little in terms of pedigree who by sheer hard work and just constant growth make the most of it so i think you know if you have that education it is a huge edge if you choose to make something of it but if you just think that i've collected these stamps and life will take care of me then i don't think you know then i think that's very very wrong so i was lucky to have it but you have to make the most of it and i think if you don't have it it doesn't mean the world has come to an end that's a very very pertinent question so a lot of people just keep collecting these labels and feel that the labels alone are going to give them access to the best things of life my uh, next question to you is ma'am that after being rejected at seven firms during your campus placement and uh, you told in your talk that you were having suicidal thoughts then an ambulance came and took you to a psychiatric unit 
I am, and it's like a Netflix movie in some way. You landed uh, in an interview with McKinsey, traveled some distance, and bagged the offer. And a substantial part of your conversation was on bridge, since that partner was like a tournament level player, and you were playing bridge since you were thirteen. So was this confluence of interest in some way like a stroke of great luck? Uh, and uh, she also said that she's hiring you because you are different. Uh, so please tell us about that because that campus placement, these interviews become like a harrowing experience for a lot of people. So if you yeah, could shed some light on this. Yeah, I have to say that, you know, and I know a lot of young students are listening to this. The whole process of campus placement, I think, is a really, really tough one. I genuinely believe campus placement sometimes brings out the worst in people. Uh, that is my experience. If you're not a naturally... I mean, I wasn't at that point in time, you know, for instance, if you look at my husband, he is a very confident person. If he goes into seven interviews, chances are he'll get all seven jobs. That's just the kind of person he is. I was not that kind of person. I, uh, and I was a very good student, uh, you know, but I was just not that kind of person who handled these interviews well. And I think classmates become very competitive with each other and it, it just brings out the worst in people, I think. I mean, I do not know what else to say about it. Um, and not all of us interview well. I think what happened with me was my chance. I think it is a stroke of luck, but I think it is also the fact that two things. One is I think McKinsey is one of the things that makes McKinsey so special as a firm is they genuinely appreciate the difference in people. So they are looking to hire people who are different. I think uh, one of the things I loved about my McKinsey experience is you had people with so many different backgrounds, engineers, lawyers, doctors people with physics backgrounds, etc. So they do value the diversity of thinking in people. And I think that's a wonderful thing because when diversity of thinking comes together, you solve problems better. If you have 10 Radhikas in a room, you're going to have one answer to a problem. So it's actually a very ineffective answer. And I think it's a testament to the kind of firm McKinsey is. I'm very grateful to that. But also it's a fact that I think even, you know, and I interviewed today, People are looking for something that is a spark in some people. Now that interview happened to work for me. But I think today, interviewers, companies are looking for things that are different in people. What will you bring to the table that is new? And I think your hobbies, your, because ultimately grades can't differentiate you beyond some point in time, but your hobbies, your thinking, your experiences, these are what make you unique, your ability to get past challenges in life. I mean, this is this is the reality of life. This is the reality of work also. So I think people are looking for that. In my case, it all fit together in that particular interview. Um, and I would just tell people, don't get disheartened by this campus process. You know, aapko mil jayega jo aapki, you know, what is due to you, you will get. Kabhi thoda kam milega, kabhi thoda late milega, lekin mil to jayega. Ma'am, uh, now that you went into McKinsey, how was life at McKinsey? Management consulting, MBB as they call it, is like a dream come true for many people. What did clients like you work? What are the kind of projects you worked upon? And like, is work-life balance completely goes for a toss in the US like it does in India? Because at IIM Ahmedabad, once uh, McKinsey HR came, they said that they want us to work 9 to 6 and then 9 to 6, means 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. as well. So is it like that there as well? Okay, so the consulting career, at least my experience was very good, but very demanding. Uh, you, you know, the good thing about consulting is that at a very young age, you deal with clients. And I think on my first day of a job, my the first day of my job, uh, 
my client was an electronics retailer and I met the CEO and I was 22. And I think my uh, boss at that time told me, just make sure the client doesn't realize you're 22. And that's actually a very deep thing because you force yourself to behave in a way and conduct yourself in a way that's very responsible. And that is not that of a 22 year old person. So I think you get exposure to clients, you know, how to conduct yourself, how to speak, how to articulate your thoughts. All this, I think, comes very quickly in that career. Um, I would say it's a very demanding career. I have to tell you a story from my, my so my first project with this retailer, um, I actually had to do a cost cutting and transformation project. So I was sitting in Texas and I had to basically follow people around in the store and observe all the activities of that store. Now, if you know any retailer like Chroma or someone, they open at five in the morning, your warehouse and this whole process starts and they close at 10 in the evening. So I used to wake up at four, reach the warehouse by 4.30 and I would be in those stores till 10 o'clock at night. And you know, you want to do this on the day when traffic is very high. So when is very traffic very high in these stores? It's on weekends and it's on Thanksgiving and holidays. I mean, if you think about Chroma, this makes sense, right? Um, and so I would work all through the weekend and I would get Monday off as a consolation. And I would go back to New York where I was living on Monday and I'd say, okay, I've got Monday off. And none of my friends were off on Monday. So I said, Monday ki chutti ka mujhe kya karna hai? I mean, because everybody else is working. So it was very, very, very demanding. Um, and I think uh, I have never worked the kind of hours uh, I did at McKinsey till I did my startup. So it prepared me for a lot of things later in life. And what about ma'am working at AQR Capital Wall Street again, like the wolves of the Wall Street. We've just seen those kind of movies with money in the air, a lot of money to be made. Uh, how is life on the Wall Street? So, uh, you know, I mean, some of the movie part is true, but I think you can't paint Wall Street with one brush. Now, one of the reasons I like AQR is AQR is like very far away from Bulls of Wall Street. It's a very nerdy academic firm. I mean, its pedigree is University of Chicago PhD. So that's the kind of people that you have, uh, you know, but uh, I went through Wall Street at a very transformative time. I saw the best years of Wall Street, the 2006-7 phase, where a lot of that stuff from the movies happened. I mean, I started my career trading mortgages, um, you know, which is something that has been talked about enough. And then I saw 2008 and 9. So I've seen the excesses. And then I also saw in a pretty young stage, the, you know, unwinding of the excesses. Uh, and I'm very grateful for that part of my career because I think it makes you realize that in a financial services career, and I always tell young people this, it is a very extreme career. There are extreme goods and there are extreme bads. And part of this is just surviving that and conditioning yourself mentally. You know, even if you get a great bonus, etc., and things are great, don't go to town with it. And, you know, in the bad years, just don't completely collapse. I mean, it's really helped me in this kind of COVID period. That 2008 training was perhaps the best thing I went through. And uh, so from there, AQR Capital on the Wall Street, and you would be uh, doing reasonably well in your career. You came back to India, just like probably this Swadesh movie of Shahrukh Khan, that you came back to India to set up your own firm, Forefront Capital. Why this plunge into entrepreneurship? My first question, because generally when we are well settled in life, we want to enjoy that instead of saying, okay, bhai, chalo, ab, kuch naya karna hai. Yeah, the problem with someone like me is that I have this constant, is my father was a diplomat. Log har, every three years we used to change countries. So 
हम लोगों को हर तीन साल बदलाव की नेचुरली आदत है सो आई हैव दिस कांस्टेंट थिंग कि कुछ नया करना है माय हस्बैंड इज ऑलवेज जोकिंग अबाउट इट दैट एवरी थ्री इयर्स द मीटर रिंग्स यू नो एंड शी इज लाइक कुछ नया करना है एंड आई थिंक यू नो यू कांट इफ आई थिंक ऑफ द डिसीजन नाउ एट द एज ऑफ 36 आई प्रोबेबली वुड नॉट बी एबल टू रैशनलाइज इट आई वुड थिंक यार इतना रिस्क क्यों लिया but at that point in time you know you wanted to return to india you wanted to start a business you didn't come from a business background i mean they say young blood is hungry and foolish so hungriness and foolishness at play and you wanted to come back there were three partners they had a dream and i think some of these things are not logical so you came back to india to start something i think though you know the logical part of this is because i know a lot of people watching this also consider entrepreneurship we had a very good plan b in place and the plan b in place was okay if this doesn't work out so you can't take these steps illogically right there has to be because you i mean you you are from a middle class family you worked hard you studied you have a good job your parents are also thinking about something so our plan b was if this doesn't work you can go back to an mba and that was the backstop so i think whenever you are taking risk you know i am in the finance profession the risk has to be calculated and thought through risk if it doesn't work fir kya hoga and in our case that fir kya hoga was okay we can go back for an mba because we hadn't got mba degrees so that's the way we thought about it um and uh, you know then we came back and went into the plunge of entrepreneurship and i think this whole entrepreneurship experience is something everyone must taste um you know working in the corporate world is fantastic but you develop a tremendous sense of arrogance about your own ability i was an investment professional and i didn't realize to run an asset management firm you actually need skills that are far beyond investing you need to learn how to market you need to learn how to run an office you need to know how to hire you need to learn how to deal with the regulator so it makes you far more independent so i think even today professionally many people know me at least before my ceo stint by my forefront capital days and i think that's that's something i'm very proud of Ma'am, a lot of us would not really know what is AIF. So, what exactly is AIF? And at that point of time, there was literally no market for AIF in India, and that was your primary product at Forefront Capital. And then, if you could take us through the sales development cycle for that, because people would not have even heard about it, na? Ki what is AIF? And here's this girl who wants to sell me. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 hilarious. So, firstly, I mean, even when we started, there was so AIF is basically the new age regulation for hedge funds, and it came out in I think two thousand and twelve, thirteen. And before that, there was something called PMS, which is Portfolio Management Services. Uh, essentially, these are non-mutual fund products where you can do kind of sophisticated investing ideas, not meant for a retail audience, which is what I do today. now uh, aif is a regulation that we actually worked very closely with sebi on in fact uh, forefront capital was the first registered category 3 fund in india so it actually got the first hedge fund license in india and we made a lot of news at this uh, at that time we were who has got the first hedge fund license it's not some big bank it's some random group of 25 26 year old kids who got a hedge fund license in india um and i think that is one of the amazing things about financial services in india it's quite democratic in that sense i mean we applied to sebi and sebi gave us the license and we could do that but one of the interesting things in my startup journey is that i actually didn't know anything about marketing nor did our partner so we started our business with 25 lakhs in capital which i think was from one of the distant family members and literally it was going door to door to raise money from people and you know that 25 lakhs 200 crores raising that was torture i mean 
I think in year one, we went from 25 lakhs to having two crores of capital. The next year, it was like two crores to 10 crores or something like that. And then finally, it started taking off. And I had never come from a marketing background, nor had my partner. So we were just learning marketing on the fly. In fact, I remember in my early days, I think one of the people I had met was Randeo Otherwal. And I'm very grateful to him for this advice. So he said that, you know, you need to find a way to market yourself. And clearly, so he said, you know, there are all these TV shows and CNBC and all this, this come, you know, you speak well. Why don't you start being visible on these things? Because so you have to start being visible. And so I remember going to LinkedIn and like, finding the address of some of these people on CNBC and saying, okay, can I come and talk? And by some point I was on TV and you can see the old videos from that time. I was on TV four days a week on every channel. And I think it was a gradual and I started writing articles and etc. And at that point, social media wasn't as prevalent as it is now where you could build a brand, but there was so much learning in how to raise money and how to build a brand around yourself. And did that shatter your ego as well? Because you were like McKinsey, Wall Street, and now selling a hitherto unknown product of sorts. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's completely my uh, my partner, uh, Anand Jatia, has a saying that in entrepreneurship, you have to take your ego and put it in a glass of water and throw that glass on the floor and then start walking over the glass. He always used to say that, and I, I completely agree. All right. And then, uh, ma'am, like, uh, what was the inflection point finally? So after struggle, 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 struggle. So once you started uh, getting visible on TV, people started knowing you and then they said, okay, here's the check. Radhika, manage it for us. Was it like that? Yeah, it wasn't as simple as that. Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. The fund you launched, it started performing. You also learned how to, like the first product we designed, I think it was a disaster. You also got to know people as you got to know people you were more visible on tv you got to know you you figured out who were the right people to meet who were the wrong people to meet and with time you know i think time is a great see your three kids would never worked in india i we were very young at that time i think i was 24 or 25 when we started forefront capital and financial services is an industry that generally respects age um so it's a little trickier when you're young but with time with understanding more people got to know us if you do good work, you'll get more work. And I think that was the journey. So it was very gradual. Um, it wasn't like there was some Eureka moment and everything turned around. Uh, it wasn't your classic startup. It's a slog. It's a gradual slog. That's, that's been my journey in the MF space also. There, there is no one moment and everything turns around or kismat jamak jati hai. You know, I mean, that movie stuff doesn't happen. It's time and it's gradual and things keep growing and getting better. Now at Edelweiss, uh, again, it's like a David versus Goliath of sorts thing. So you got the big daddies on the street, HDFC and a Kotak. And now as CEO, you will have to scale it up. You've already scaled it up to like $4 billion of AUM. You've been part of like Bharat Bond uh, you've managed it in spite of a lot of biggies contending for it. So what's your journey at Edelweiss if you could just take us? Because I think that's a very interesting and exciting part of a conversation that we could have had. No, it is. And I joined, uh, I became CEO of this firm when I was uh, three years ago. I was about 33, 34. And uh, I was really excited about the opportunity. I don't come from, so my background in our conversation, you would have realized has been largely global and largely institutional. So for me to do 
India mutual fund and retail is has been a completely different experience and it's something I've always wanted to do in some sense when I moved back you know this is something I had wanted to touch you know uh, products for common Indians um, and now I'm getting an opportunity to do it it's been a journey of learning I mean and I'm glad I had the startup phase because as CEO here I got to hire the whole team one has got to build out the whole brand uh, and one sees the investment process and it's been a journey of gradual growth uh, I would say as you correctly said that you know being when we when I started looking at Illinois Mutual Fund, I think we were ranked 26 or 30 or something. I don't even remember. Um, but to grow that business from here to where it is uh, has been a delight. And there's so much growth ahead. And I think, you know, it is the same thing that is a constant theme that in your head, you know, you may be ranked 30 in this, but you just have to keep building. And in your head, you have to think you're number one. It doesn't matter. So when you build a website or when you think about marketing or when you design a product, you can't be held back by the rank that you're at. Because otherwise, And the other thing is that, you know, you will not succeed in this if you're doing the same thing as others. The good thing about being a challenger is that you have to behave different. You have to be forced to think different. You have to be forced to behave different. And that will bring out your creativity. And there are, there are great stories from this business. I mean, I remember six months into it, when I wanted to hire my HR, had set up uh, some conversations at MCA, which is a cricket club in Bombay. And he said, you know, these candidates for Bombay salespeople, will come to meet you and I was like okay I'm CEO of this I'm sure lots of candidates will come and I went to MC and no candidate came I mean they just said they would come and nobody came it was absolutely hilarious and I realized you know it's very hard to hire for a young brand nobody wants to work for a young brand I mean when there's so many established ones um, so since that time we have made a lot of progress but I think we have tons of progress to make uh, thereon uh, Bharat Bond, of course, uh, is one of the things we do. It's not the only thing, but that has been a very exciting part of the journey because we've actually got to create something from scratch and uh, it has given us so many memories. I mean, the second tranche is next week, incidentally, and it's given us so many memorable moments. I mean, to see a product that you created launched by the finance minister on TV, it's, it's an incredible high. Um, and to see so many people giving it so much love, uh, you know, has been such an incredible high. But mutual fund in its whole industry is such a young uh, thing in India that I think even if you're the 50th ranked player and was starting today, it's a very exciting industry to be about. Ma'am, uh, we are in an era where we flaunt success on social media. And there's a lot of rat race that we consciously, unconsciously become a part of. In your case, uh, the parameters could be alpha, assets under management, number of folios, then how does one celebrate his or her own uniqueness? So I think, you know, all those parameters, business success is very, very important. And, uh, you know, that, that, that goes without saying, you know, ultimately you're a CEO of a business, you're accountable to shareholders, all that is very important. I think in your personal life, you have to figure out, and by the way, I love social media and I can talk about this. I think in your personal life, you have to figure out what matters to you. I think in my early 20s, I think uh, business success mattered to me and there was nothing else. I think as I grew older, uh, the success of people I'm working with also started mattering a lot. I mean, it's a great delight to hire a person and just see them blossom and grow. Um, and over time, different things start to matter. 
um i think use social media social media is like that what in degree that i talked about you can either use it for good or you can use it to be very very negative i think social media is a great way to connect with people to express your thoughts um to build your own personality that is different and beyond what you do at work um but if you use social media senselessly to be negative or if you start thinking that you know my life sucks because everybody else's life look at his instagram his life must be so good i mean i often tell young kids yeah life is not like facebook and instagram it's not people's lives are not what they say on facebook and instagram and nobody's business is what they project on an excel spreadsheet that's just the reality of life but if you use social media effectively it can be a great tool and that's how i would think about it and everyone should find their own parameter everyone should have an inner scorecard now for some people that inner scorecard is how much money you make and that's also fine who's who's to judge for some people that is business success for some people it is how much they are doing for society for some people it's the amount of impact that they are having on other people so have your own inner scorecard and it can't have every metric figure out ki these three things matter to me but these three things also don't matter because everything can't matter i mean if you hit try to hit every goal post then somewhere you're going to fail so have an inner scorecard of two three things that matter as you grow in your career and you will figure out what matters to you you won't figure that out in your 20s you'll take some time once you have that now you will be a lot more comfortable ma'am if a youngster wants to enter the mutual fund industry what is the path that one has to follow is it like a degree based thing aptitude based thing ca cfa mba what exactly is the mantra in india specifically So in India, if you want to enter, so on the sales side, I think you know there's no degree-based path. I mean, I've seen people who are CAs and MBAs and the whole range. I think on the investment side, if you want to enter, obviously some technical finance qualification, either a CA, CFA, MBA, something of that sort, um, will be important to start. So the mutual fund industry also has multiple paths. There's a sales path. There's an investment path. that's how you play it out but i think really it is about you know when you enter as an investment professional you enter as a research analyst now how much you can grow from there to be a fund manager i think is dependent on you if you enter you know as a sales person and a lot of sales people in the industry have gone on to become ceos of asset management firms i think it's a function of how hard you work what you bring to the table and how much you can grow so i think it's very dependent i don't think there's one right formula or one right answer What books are you currently reading? Ah, uh, I am currently reading Urdu poetry books. I don't try to read a lot of finance books and these self-help books. No offense to people who read them, but uh, you know, I think one of the things we didn't cover is that I love to write. That's my part-time hobby. I hope to write a book at some point in life. Uh, and at even at pen i also studied english literature a little bit um so my free time i try to keep to uh, poetry and fiction books i don't read any of the traditional uh, non fiction kind of stuff so currently my father is relearning urdu and he's kind of reteaching me some of that i mean we spent some time in pakistan so there's some familiarity with urdu so right now it's a lot of these urdu poetry books and we keep translating words from the videos and he keeps trying to explain that to me so that's that's the current state of mind oh wow this is like something which is very very unique urdu poetry amazing yeah, so that's I your mantra for regeneration in that case that answers my question fun fitness everything comes with that because you have got a passion for writing so 
even on uh, weekdays once you are from office you write some part and just pen down your thoughts is it yeah, like yeah. I mean, if, it, if you follow me on social i don't get the time to write a book obviously which i should because we've had a lockdown but i'll write long threads or posts sometimes i'll write two three pieces of poetry sometimes i tweet them sometimes i keep them personally uh, i often joke that if i've had a really bad day at work then you will definitely see me writing something because you know it's a great way to vent out your emotions more eloquently um so yes there's there's quite a bit of writing that happens there's also a lot of reading of other people's uh, work i think india has had a great legacy of poets and uh, you know so a lot of their work i spent some time reading uh, which is also nice so i think in, apart from the girl with a broken neck you can also have a poetess ceo as your title Yeah, I have I have one or two people who call me a poet CEO on Twitter, but uh, I keep getting these wonderful suggestions from social media about how I should write something larger. So maybe I will. If this lockdown continues, uh, I'll I'll write something. Uh, I think writing is a great. You should find the hobby that you love, yeah. And uh, I remember writing poems even as a four-year-old. My mother tells me this. Uh, and uh, even when we were growing up. Uh, my father uh, you know used to work in the indian embassy and then he became ambassador and also uh, 26 january 15 august pe bhi i would be reciting these patriotic poems so it's been something that we've done for a long time so yeah that that's that's the hobby i mean hobbies have to be what works for you right perfect my final question to you what would uh, the advice radhika at uh, 36 37 would give to radhika at the age of 20 Oh, it's a good question. I think learn as many skills as you can. Collect experiences. Don't collect degrees. Uh, at the age of, and it's easier said than done. At the age of twenty, twenty-one, we run after lots of labels. And you know, now you're sitting in this lockdown. So this graduating class, whether from undergrad or MBA, has it really tough. You know, it's a tough job market. But use this time to collect as many experiences as you can. Your twenties should be a time of enriching yourself. professionally by doing different things try different things experience different things have a range of skill sets i think if you had asked me the one thing that i like in my own profile is the fact that i've done a startup i've worked for a small company like ekwar a global giant like mckinsey uh, you know an indian giant like edelweiss i've done work with government through bharat bond private um you know i've done global india collect different experiences while being focused i think that will make you a much richer person and i think it will give your career a lot of well roundedness so uh, do that use this time to collect experiences and skill sets oh fantastic this is a seriously a good time that if nothing happens at least you can collect experiences even if it is like attending a zoom call and getting Sorry. some nuggets of information from some senior person wow so fortunate that you have so many resources i mean you have all these zoom and teams calls and you have the best in the world talking on youtube and you can take classes on coursera like i don't think we could do this even 10 years ago what you can do now the amount of i mean you guys have more resources than i did when i was 20 so make the most of them thank you so much ma'am for this very enriching conversation it's been really a pleasure I mean, you and I'm sure the viewers are also going to really love it and take home some tangible takeaways here. Thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, Anurag. All right. Bye bye.